All right, second week of the revamped series. Today we're talking about revamping family. Revamping family. And um, some of you are here like, oh wow, this is gonna be a sensitive subject. We're gonna do this in a way that's gonna be filled with grace and vision. Zero condemnation, zero guilt. But for all of us to say, you know what? We can improve our family. Even if you come from a great family background, if your family is like nuclear and it is just firing on all cylinders, you can still come up with some ways to tweak, to revamp just your rhythms and habits to have your family be healthier. Some of your families are absolutely either on the edge or over the edge, and you're thinking, I'm not sure it's a revamp, I'm sure it's a restart, right? And your family is in trouble, your family's in crisis. We're gonna address that today. And the reason why we're doing this revamp series at the new year is because this is the time a lot of people think about some restarts. We're not doing New Year's resolutions, however. Resolutions, as we talked about last week, don't really work. Here's the stats. 23% bail out after the first week. 64 bail out the first month, 80% bail out the first year. So we're not talking about resolutions made in the spur of the moment. Oh yeah, I ought to do this. Oh yeah, let's try this. It's like, no, there's a deeper level of change, a deeper level, level of revamping, which simply means making something new or improved. God has wired us to revamp. He's wired us to change. Is it easy? It is not. In fact, last week we talked about this reality that revamping is absolutely possible, but absolutely difficult. We are wired to change. We're wired to revamp. In fact, as we talked about last week, our brains are wired to rewire. We can choose to rewire the circuitry in our brain. It's an amazing thing to be a human being. And to be able to say, you know what? There's some patterns and habits in my life that aren't quite right. This week we'll talk about some patterns and habits in our family that may not be quite right. I'm gonna decide to make a change. Not because I get pressure or guilt from the outside, but in my heart, in my bones, in my being, I think God would want me to walk a change of revamping our family life a little bit or a lot of bit and to say, let's make this thing stronger, better, and happier. That's the road we're gonna walk on today. So as we start, simple question. What about your family life needs to be revamped? Could be a big thing, could be a small thing. Answer that in your head right now. What about your family life needs to be revamped? Could be your marriage, could be your relationship with your kids or grandkids. It could be that you're younger and your relationship with your parents or grandparents. What about your family life needs to be revamped? And as you answer that question in your own mind and in your own heart, know this, that God is with you, rooting for you, and will empower you to help make that change, whatever it is. He is rooting for you because I believe God uses families more than anything else on earth to bring his goodness and his grace to this world. More than businesses, institutions, more than church, it's the family that is the center of our relationship. It's the family that has the most impact on our lives. God is about creating, instituting, empowering families to become better and better. Genesis chapters one and two, we see really poetry about God's heart for his creation. And listen to what he says right out of the gate in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's a great statement. It's not good for us to be alone. He didn't wire us to be by ourselves. And what's the solution? He created a household. He created marriage and said, if you're able, if you want to, there's children involved, right? There's a, a family around you that's gonna radically impact your life. It's not good for us to be alone, so God creates family. 
Now, for those of us who may not have a, a nuclear family the way we might envision or hope, God has a bigger family, bigger and broader and deeper than we can possibly imagine. It's our relationship with him and it's our relationship with each other. God is very clear in Romans 8, 29 that he knew us in advance and he chose us to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In other words, God wants us to all experience family. So even if your nuclear family blew up, even though you may not be able to point to a, a healthy marriage or, or, or children in the traditional way, know that you have a very real and very powerful family, that God is your father. And he invites us by his grace to live in a big family called the church. And we are all brothers and sisters together. That's why every quarter we have these groups. It's not just to launch groups to keep us busy on a Wednesday night or whatever night, but it's to say, hey, listen, we need to connect with each other. We need to belong. We need to have the sense that I am not alone. So whether you're in a healthy family or not, you can experience family, a family of faith. Today, we're gonna to talk about that. I've preached about 2,000 sermons in my lifetime. Never have I ever preached a sermon with three points that all start with the same letter. It's alliteration. I've never done it, we'll never do it again, I promise. But today it just so happens, that's what it is. Today we're gonna to talk about revamping family trajectory, revamping family tone, and revamping family time. And what I want you to do as we go through this, and we're gonna move pretty quick here, is to pick one thing about each of these that you might wanna change. Pick one thing about each of these that you might wanna change. So let's talk about revamping family trajectory. Revamping family trajectory. Trajectory is just simply the flight path of an object. As you know, I'm a very, 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 very good golfer. <laughs> Some shots. But it's all about trajectory in golf, right? You're, you're lining up your shot, just play it on Friday as I play every Friday, and you're a little bit windy out there, and so this one needs to go left or right, ride the wind, it's uphill a little bit, we're gonna go a little bit high, and, and then you swing and you go, and then you just collapse with frustration. Because what you thought and what you dreamed just isn't happening, right? And this particular one, I came in steep, and so it's gonna go higher than I thought, and it's gonna go lefter than I thought, and it's gonna go shorter than I thought. And you're just a victim of the trajectory, right? It's already started, and, and some of you might feel like that. By the way, I know lefter is not a word. I, was, I got no laughter. <laughs> so you hit the shot, and you're just like, well, it's disaster, and my hands are on my knees, and it's just like, that's a mess, and, and that's a trajectory that went bad in golf, and now it's just a disaster, right? So some of us might feel like that in our own family life is that our family's trajectory just isn't working. And it could be how you grew up, it could be your family now. And you're just thinking, is this ever gonna get fixed? Well, the Bible talks about relationships, not, not as a trajectory where you just hit a shot and now you see what happens, but it's more like the trajectory of a hike, right? I'm heading in a particular direction and I'm walking. And as a family, we're walking this together, together, together. And we might find ourselves in really dangerous territory surrounded by rocks and, and vines and snakes, and we were thinking, this didn't go well. Our trajectory is bad. Let's change the trajectory, right? We can change this. If we're talking about family trajectory, we can decide individually or together, let's change this trajectory, right? So if our families are fighting more and more, increasingly you're just snapping at each other and fighting over who knows what, just nothing. And if that's increasing, the trajectory of your family life is increasing in anger, well, the direction down the road is gonna be bitterness, it's gonna be division, it's gonna be chaos, maybe even breaking apart. So if you're increasingly fighting and increasingly angry, now's the time to stop and to say, 
let's quit walking in this direction and let's start walking in a different direction. It'll take some time, it'll take some patience. If your family is spending less and less time together, just for whatever reason, just the busyness of life, uh, you know, change of job, whatever it is, commutes, what, you're just spending less and less time together. The trajectory of that is gonna be alienation over time and then you'll just miss each other. Now's the time to say, hey, listen, our trajectory isn't looking real good. Let's stop, let's reevaluate, let's make some changes. I love what Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, very famously, it says, don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. God knows that relationships are all about the path, all about the trajectory. Don't depend on your own understanding. Typically in a family life, it's like, okay, well, did I get my way? Am I feeling good about it? Am I respected? Am I loved here? We think about ourselves a lot. It's just human nature. And if we think about ourselves a lot, we will start punishing each other and judging each other based on how they make us feel. God says, don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will. And God's will is the will of love and sacrifice. And so to be able to change our minds and to say, okay, the trajectory of this family is gonna be changed when I change how I relate to this family. It's not about me. How can I make your life better, spouse? How can I make your life better, child? And let me try to serve this household to get ourselves on a better path. Your family's trajectory can change. Instead of more and more anger over time, you can decide, make some commitments, have some conversations, and start to change the pathway towards peace. If you're spending less and less time together as a family, stop, somebody start a conversation. Let's get this trajectory to more and more time together, more and more closeness together. So here's a question. What is your family's trajectory as the months and years pass? What's your family's trajectory right now? As days go by, months go by, years go by, what's the trajectory of your family right now? Is it towards good things and happiness and togetherness and closeness, or is the direction towards further division and anger and strife? What's the trajectory? Identify that. Then another question. What could your family's trajectory become as the months and years pass? Identify where the trajectory problem might be and then to identify the vision of where it could go, where the trajectory could change and what that would mean for your future. If you're increasingly angry, think about the vision of a peaceful household and then start slowly changing the direction in that way. We don't have enough time to detail exactly how to navigate all this, but three things have to happen when it comes to changing family trajectory. One is honest conversation. Somebody, just one person, has to find the right time and the right place when everybody's peaceful and not all over each other's throats and say, hey, listen, we gotta chat. Can we talk about the trajectory of our family life, where we're going? I'm just feeling there's a few things that are off. Can we have a conversation about that? Usually I tell people, don't have the conversation at night because you'll be fighting. Make an appointment. So don't just blindside somebody with some heavy conversation. They're gonna take it as an attack. Have a conversation. Saturday morning, we're all pretty peaceful. Can we talk about this subject? But somebody have the honest conversation. Then take small first steps. Take small first steps on how to change that trajectory and then get help, get support. We all need support. And it could be from friends. It could be from counseling, pastor counseling, counseling therapy. Get some support. So that's revamping family trajectory. Now let's talk about revamping family tone. Tone. Tone is set by the emotions and mood that create a family feel. So we're not talking about necessarily what we say, but what? 
how we say it, it's tone. I'll give you an example. There's two ways to say the same phrase. Hey, uh, can you help me? Hey, can you help me? Pleasant, In invitation, or is, hey, can you help me? Right, big deal. If I say, hey, can you help me, what does that mean? You're a goofball who never helps me and you're wearing me out and you're probably not gonna help me, but you know, I have to make a statement. Tone is everything, everything, everything. So I'm gonna ask Alex Flavel. He is our Grammy-nominated jazz pianist who leads the show here. Let's welcome Alex to the stage. Alex is an amazing musician. So, you know, the word tone really does also uh, define music a lot, musical tone. So we're gonna talk through some pleasant tones and some dissonant tones. Is your family's tone pleasant or is it dissonant? So let's talk about pleasant tones first. Would you play a chord? I'm just thinking of, you know, a chord that is a second inversion G major triad on your right hand, play it over a C major first inversion on your left hand. Can you play that pleasant chord? I, I think I can oblige, yeah. All right, let's try it. I feel good. Me too. Yes, I feel, I feel very pleasant. So is this the tone of your household? Ooh, a little change up there, that's awesome. Is this the tone of your household? Generally, not perfect, but generally happy? You support each other? You have fun together? You enjoy each other? You love hanging out together? Is this the general tone of your family? Maybe, maybe not. All right, now let's talk about dissonant tones. These are harsher tones where your brain kind of interprets them as actually an attack. So explain a dissonant uh, tone or dissonant chord. Yeah, so a dissonant chord results when you stack a bunch of very small intervals together. And intervals are the distance between notes. So when notes are very close together, you get a sound like this. Oh, ouch. Right. And so when you stack them together, you get a really dissonant chord. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah, that, we're, we're uh, in pain right now, right? That's horror show stuff, right? That's the kind of music you hear in, in horror shows. So this is like an attack, and maybe some of you, this is the tone of your household, right? You're harsh with each other. You're judging each other. You're snapping on each other. You believe the worst in each other. You're on edge. You're just distant and angry. You're annoyed with each other. Is this the tone of your household? I'm kind of over that. Yeah, play, play us one like pleasant chord again, just so we can end on a happy note. For sure. Oh, there we go. All right, Alex Flavel, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am totally convinced that uh, what you just did will actually earn you a Grammy nomination again. So yeah, there it is, there it is. We'll submit that to the whoever. So identify the tone of your family. Is it generally pleasant? Is it generally harsh? I love what Colossians 4, 6 says. It says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. It's not talking about what to say. It's talking about how to say it. Let it be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. It also says, let it be seasoned with salt, which means flavor the tone of your conversation intentionally so that it's pleasing. And we don't always do that at home. We might do that around town to total strangers. Be careful a little bit with what we say, but when it comes to our own household, it's like, man, man, man. Like, let's, let's season our conversation as with salt. Don Oland uh, talks about five emotional tones of a family. It's gonna be kind of a lot. Maybe just, just pick one that you can focus on. He talks about the tone of respect. The tone of respect. Respect simply means to honor each other. To speak with a tone of honor. To relate with each other with a tone of honor. And, and very often in a family, if we don't think we're being honored, we don't honor our spouse. We don't honor our kids. 
So what we're asking to do here is, is to take the lead on honoring others. Even if you're not feeling honored in the moment, honor your spouse, honor your kids. Um, I had a problem with this. Early in our, our marriage, uh, my wife and I would have a, di- a little disconnect. And the way I'm kind of wired is I come at this with, with logic and facts and cogent lines of thinking in terms of an argument. My wife is not speaking in, in, in terms that are you know, cogent line of our argument. She's talking about how this would create the feel of our home. And we're on two totally different pages as we're arguing something out. And, and several years into our marriage, she said to me with tears in her eyes that you are coming at me like a lawyer. You're coming at me like a lawyer. I will never forget that moment. I can see it clearly today. It was probably what, 20, a lot of years ago. I remember, I remember our bedspread that we were on when you said that. I do, it was a nasty thing. The colors, it was like hunter green and rose. It was terrible. She said, you're coming at me like a lawyer. And I thought, I don't want to come at my wife. I don't want to attack my wife. But she was basically saying, I feel like I'm being attacked by you because I wasn't having a tone of respect toward her. A lot of these teachings are out of Romans 12, Romans 12, 10. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in what? Honoring each other. As we speak to each other and treat each other, let it be with a tone of respect. And then there's a tone of patience. Patience is a pleasant tone. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like a family relationship to get us running out of patience. Because we have kids that might do the same thing over and over and over again, and we're out of patience. And a spouse that does the same thing over and over and over again. We run out of patience and we spend so much time with them, we get aggravated quickly, right? We get aggravated quickly. Plus, there's a pace of life. We can get busy, we can worry, and then we just kind of lose patience. Um, If you're running out of patience, I want to ask you this. To bring a tone of peace in your house, I don't think starts by you saying, hey, let's have a tone of peace in our house. I think it starts with us deciding to be more peaceful individually and to put some habits in our lives that make us more at peace. And if we're more at peace, even when we enter a chaotic you know, kind of scene in our family life, we will be more at peace and we will be agents of peace. So, you know, a couple of, of just suggestions, maybe get up a little early, just five, 10 minutes and find a spot in your house, get a cup of coffee or tea or whatever you like and just sit in quiet. Maybe, you know, read a little bit, maybe pray a little bit, just be at peace and then tackle your day. Um, my peaceful time, and this <clears throat> sounds very sad for me to say, <clears throat> I uh, eat a lot of my lunches by myself in my car. Does that sound kind of pathetic? But I've got kind of a hectic life, hectic, hectic world, hectic work, and lots of moving parts. And sometimes I just like going to, of course, Mexican food and eating it by myself in my car. And I just, I kind of laugh at myself because if somebody was driving around and looked at this loser eating by himself in his car, it's like, oh, that guy is so sad and lonely. Let me just tell you, I am at perfect peace, <laughs> at perfect peace, just recharging that day and then tackling the afternoon. Whatever it takes for you, whatever it takes for you to find places of peace that you could be more at peace to have a tone of patience in your family. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying Romans 12, 12. We've got to have those moments of peace and prayer. A tone of empathy is huge in a family. A tone of empathy. I'll give you a quick example. If let's say you have a uh, teenager, pre-teenager, and he or she comes home and they're just in a funk. And they're like, condescending and dismissive and short and, just, and, and snappy. And a parent might, might say, 
dude, what's your problem? Snap out of it. What are you doing? Quit it. Well, that's not a tone of empathy. But if a parent would say, okay, well, my teenager, my pre-teenager, something must be going on in their life that's causing them to kind of be this way at home. So a spirit of empathy, a tone of empathy would not snap back at a teenager who's snapping at others, but to say, hey, can, you got a second? How are you doing? What, what happened at school today? To try to feel what they're feeling. That's what empathy is. Feel what they're feeling. And that's true of marriage. It's true of kids. It's true of, of your extended family. If somebody's behaving in a difficult way, it's probably because they're having a difficult time. So address this at the relationship level. What's going on in your life? How can I help you? That's going to bring a tone of empathy. Again, out of Romans 12, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Try to feel what others in your family are feeling. Then there's a tone of humility. I think humility is probably the most important tone in a household. Humility says this, I am not perfect. Humility says I've contributed to some of the problems in our household. Humility says I have said some things that have hurt other people. Humility says I don't have to be right all the time. Humility says I don't have to have my way all the time. Humility allows us to apologize genuinely. Not the dumb apology that says, oh, I'm sorry, you were hurt. That's not an apology, that's an attack. An apology says, I am so sorry that what I said hurt you or what I did hurt you. How can I do better? Humility allows so many good things in a family. Live in harmony, Romans 12 says, with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of all people and don't think you know it all. Real simple. Don't think you know it all. And then there's a fifth tone, a tone of fun. A tone of fun. Studies show that a family that has fun together is a family that thrives and stays together for the long haul because they just like hanging out with each other. They're laughing together. They're doing fun things together. We'll give specific examples a little bit later. But if you're not having fun as a family, you've got to just start planning some fun stuff. Get that tone light. Get that tone up. Get that tone full of laughter and fun. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. That rejoice is in the grace of God, the love of God that causes us to be lifted up. It is love in a family that causes us to be lifted up. That word rejoice in the Greek is hiero, and it means this, to be well, to thrive, and to be exceedingly happy. Exceedingly happy. So who sets the tone in the family? What's the answer? Everybody. Kids, you can ruin the tone of your house like that. Not a lot of, I know it's a very pressure-filled statement. But you bring a bad tone to the family and the whole family gets stressed out. So if you're a teenager, I want you to know something. You have the ability to change the tone of your house. And even though you're maybe going through some tough times and even though you might be struggling with some things, you have so much power in your house. Maybe you could start thinking, well, how can I phrase things better to bring a better tone to the house? How can I maybe be honest about what I'm going through instead of just being, you know, kind of angry or, or firing barbs at mom and dad? If you're, <coughs> I've been fighting a dry cough for three months, I apologize. There's this phrase out there, if mom ain't happy, ain't what? Nobody, Nobody happy. happy. Yeah, you got that really fast. <laughs> Moms, you can change the entire tone of a house, right? As we talked about, how can we change the tone to make it lighter and, and more fun? Dads, there's a phrase uh, about dads. Uh, which dad's coming home tonight? That's a tone thing. Is angry dad coming home tonight? Is distant dad coming home tonight? Or is fun dad coming home tonight? 
Just be careful of the tone. Now, this isn't to create pressure like we all have to die a living in every single time. No, we're all human beings, young and old, and sometimes we're gonna slide. But if we can, as a family, make the commitment that let's all do our little part to elevate this tone. So what one thing can you revamp in the tone of your family? Just pick one, pick one. And then finally, revamp family time. This one is real easy and real short. Revamp family time. God wants us to enjoy our lives. He wants us to enjoy our relationships. He wants us to enjoy our families. But we can't do that if we are buried in life and buried in busyness and don't have time for each other. We've got to make time for our family. If we're gonna thrive in our family life, we cannot be too busy. We can't be chasing too much after money. We can't be chasing too much after the approval of the world. We can't be chasing too much you know, of just more things that are stacked on that cause worry in our heads that distract us from our family time. Jesus says we've got to slow down to enjoy the people and the life around us. Matthew 6, 26, birds don't plant or harvest or store foods in barns, but your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? What is Jesus saying? If we're gonna enjoy the moments that we have, we've got to to, to decouple our brains from worry and stress and busyness, chasing after everything with schedules that are way too busy to enjoy life and enjoy our family. We had a, a great few weeks at the Treadway House. I think about the last three weeks, roughly, all four of our kids at various times were home. That is a rare thing when your kids are uh, largely grown and out of the house. Uh, just holidays and some good planning. Everybody was together for about three weeks, and it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. It took a lot to get everybody together. It took a lot to get everybody in Texas for a week and all the travel arrangements and Southwest Airlines that we were absolutely in the middle of. And it takes a lot. But if we commit to spend that time together and make it happen and sacrifice a little to get our habits together, it would be so much fun. In fact, over the last three weeks, as we're all together in the house, it reminded us of the COVID lockdown, right? And I, you know, definitely a lot of terrible things happened for sure. Would never want that repeated. But for about nine months, we were all in one house together, all of us. And we had memories of um, the things that we did together and piling in rooms together and playing games together. We brought out you know, the puzzles again, like we did in COVID. It was just that reminder that for these bits of time, we're gonna prioritize our life together. So just a couple things to think about. There's some weekly habits that I just want to encourage you. You can do maybe one of these, just pick one. Family dinners are easy to get lost. We're busy, sports, stuff. Pick out some times of the week where you can have focused family dinners. And I know I'm gonna sound like an old guy here, but I'd encourage you, TV off, phones down. Look at each other actually in eyeballs. We have eyeballs. We have ears and mouths. We can speak and hear. There's really cool things out there, right? I know that sounds totally old but family dinners are so important. Family game nights. If you can do games without screaming at each other or crying, play family games. If you can't, don't do it. There's other ways. Family game night. Family dates. They don't have to be expensive. Just take a night, go on a date as a family. Uh, what I call family fire pit. Family fire pit. Uh, we love our times around the fire pit. We happen to have a little cheap fire pit in the back. They don't cost a lot. If you don't have a lot of money, you can get a cheap little fire pit propane tank and off you go and just be around a fire pit and talk. I guarantee you get your family around a fire pit, you're gonna be talking. We happen to purchase a house that has a jacuzzi. We call it the coos. 
And we say three or four nights a week, coos night, coos night, coos night. Fire up the jacuzzi. Of course, now it's going to cost us 150 bucks each time we fire up the jacuzzi. But we're still going to do it, right? Coos night, coos night. You get human beings in a jacuzzi, you're going to talk. You're probably not bringing your phones, although you could now. But you're probably not bringing your phones. Find your fire pit. What's your fire pit? Could be an actual fire pit. Could be a jacuzzi. Could be something else. You're just hanging around and talking. And then annual uh, habits, a monthly daycation, maybe one day a month where you're just taking a day. A quarterly weekend, doesn't have to be necessarily expensive or overnight, but a quarterly weekend, what are you doing? And an annual week, make time to spend as a family a full week's vacation. And listen, we are in California. We live in paradise. You can plan a monthly uh, 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 vacation, daycation, and a quarterly weekend and an annual week without spending a lot of money because just within a stone's throw, you can go to the beach, you can go to the desert, you can go to the mountains, you can go to some of the most beautiful national parks in the world. It's all right here. Yay, Southern California. I mean, it's amazing. But sometimes we don't take advantage of that because we're just not in the good rhythms of spending time with our family. So just some things uh, to think about. So what's one thing you can do to revamp to make more time for your family? 